0: Welcome to The Coaching Question. This is the podcast for people who want to know more about coaching, how and when to use it, and really, what is it all about? Join me, Sarah Turner, and my colleague, Gregor Finley, two executive coaches for an honest conversation. In today's episode, we ask the question, what is a coaching culture and why create one in organizations? Hi, Sarah. Hi, Gregor. So tell us a little bit, about what a coaching culture actually
1: is what do we mean when we say that well when we were preparing for this we looked at a Harvard business review article we and we will keep that within the show notes and they give quite a nice definition here i think which is the coaching we're talking about the kind that creates a true learning organization and i think that's quite a good point what we're mm. talking about here is Learning organizations. It's ongoing and executed by those inside the organization. It's work that all managers should engage with all their people all the time in ways that help define the organization's culture and advance its mission. And then they give an example of when 3761, a very finite number, um, 3,761 executives assess their own coaching skills and then their assessments were compared with those of the people who work with them and the results just didn't align well because 24 percent of the executives significantly overestimated their abilities putting themselves as above average where basically their colleagues ranked them in the bottom third of the group mm. now, so it's clear that people think they can coach but really they don't and it's very clear that having that sort of coaching culture really does boost engagement and therefore boosts non-discretional effort and therefore boosts performance.
0: And that, that example of the executives rating themselves more highly just makes me think about, you know, driving a car. We all think that we're good drivers. And then when you turn around and ask your passenger and you kind of see them gripping their dashboard <laughs> with their, white, <laughs> their face white with terror, and you realise maybe I'm not such a good driver after all.
1: Well, that might happen with you, Sarah. A bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm the best driver ever. But, you know, it's the whole thing of often we do think that we're better at something than actually in reality. Other people experience us.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's really easy to fall into a trap of thinking that coaching is a skill.
0: Mm -hmm. And it,
1: it is a skill. But my experience, in order to get a shift in people, you need to go to the level above skills and competencies and you're really dealing with beliefs and values. And it is a mindset thing
0: Mm.
1: more than anything else.
0: And so the beliefs and values, that's around more senior people in the organisation leading from the top in terms of understanding coaching, understanding why it's useful, understanding the value it can bring. Is that what you mean?
1: When I think you're looking at a whole organisation and you want to get a coaching culture, it is absolutely critical that the people at the top of the organization model a coaching attitude. Otherwise, their behavior, if their behavior is not to have a coaching style, it just undermines everything. It undermines the efforts of people below. And a couple of great examples would be, um, an older example would be Richard Branson. If you hear about what his style is, he never starts by telling. He always starts by listening and asking questions, mm. so he'll get people engaged. He, you know, he pulls people in, and then he might you know have his pennies worth to say. But he starts with listening. Mm. And probably the biggest recent cultural shift that people might know about is Microsoft. Whereas uh, Steve Ballmer was quite a more command control type of guy, but Satya Adela is completely different And uh, there's one quote that says, you can feel it, you can see the body language. It doesn't matter if you're a top executive or a first-line seller. He has exactly the same quality of listening. And Satya Nadella has clearly built an environment that has psychological safety around him. And it's completely shifted the whole culture of that organisation.
0: So you use that word quality of listening there. And that's something that when you first start working as a coach, well, in my experience anyway, is something that really landed me this idea of we often think that we're listening when we listen to a friend or a colleague but actually we're listening in order to respond or to kind of give an opinion yeah. um but actually listening that quality of listening or level 2 and 3 listening which is often what we might talk about as coaches is quite is quite different and i think if if as an organization you were able to create a culture where that quality of listening was really happening, I mean, that is huge. That could be so powerful in terms of that organisation and what it can achieve.
1: I think people putting people on coaching skills for managers' workshops is a total waste of money. You, you might get, there might be, you know, and cultures change, depending on the culture of the organisation, if the mindset's there, you will get people adopting the skills. But if the mindset isn't there, then people will just go back to their day jobs Mm. and they'll fall back into their own way of being. Mm. And there might be a few people that will adopt some of the techniques that you've taught them, but because they haven't had the mindset shift, they probably won't uh, change. There's an exercise that I learned which I think really epitomizes this, which is, this is how I f- first learned it in a physical space, but you can do it virtually. But in a physical space, you stand in the middle of a circle and you get everybody around yourself and you have a tennis ball and mm-hmm. you say, okay, this is my challenge. And you explain a challenge that you have. And then you throw the tennis ball to someone and they have to ask you e-coaching question. Yeah. And what you do is you don't give them an answer. You just give them a score at a 10 Mm. And how useful that question is for you. And what people do is they do what you might find managers doing, which is they ask a question, not for the benefit of the person whose problem is, but they want to understand it better. So they're diagnosing or they're coming out with, have you tried this?
0: Mm, Wanting to give advice or give their own view on it.
1: Exactly. Mm. And they will ask a question, but really is disguising a desire to unpick or to give advice. Mm. And so it's lovely to see people's faces when you are very honest and you say, well, that's a two out of 10 for me.
0: Yeah.
1: It might be a good question for you, but it's not a good question for me. And it's, it's seeing the penny drop when people get Oh, this question isn't for me.
0: <laughs> it's about the other it's, person.
1: It's about you.
0: And you're talking about mindset there. And I think it might be useful for our listeners just if we take a moment just to talk about what we mean when we say mindset. I mean, you've talked there about beliefs and values. But, you know, we also talk about, and this is another podcast in, in our series, um, in our second series, Uh, which is about growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And if we think about growth mindset, we can spend a long time talking about it and I'm not going to do that here. But essentially, if you've got a growth mindset, it's that belief that you can always learn, you can always improve, you can always get better.
1: And I think that extends to... A coaching attitude, which is, I believe that this other person has it within them mm. to do stuff. They may have better answers than I could come up with. And that's the mindset that you have as a coaching leader.
0: And that's what I think, This, you know, if we come back to thinking about, well, what actually, why would we create a coaching culture in organisations? Why would we want to go to that effort? When we think about the, the volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous world we're all operating in, we're, you know, we're still dealing with COVID nine, 10 months on. This is not going away quickly. Organizations have had to shift and adapt very quickly. And innovation is key. And if we think about how do we enable people to innovate, how do we make it safe for people to innovate? Well, then we've got to make it okay for them to make mistakes, for them to share their learning and to to move on from that. And that really is what, why you would create one of the reasons why you would create a coaching culture to really empower those staff to lead their own development and understand that it's okay to make those mistakes and share that learning.
1: yeah, I think at the bottom line it's a matter of scale mm. if i 've got eight people in my team and I'm the bottleneck because I have to be involved in everything you know, I'm the person that's coming up with the answers. Mm. It just doesn't scale. But if what I'm doing is enabling my people to unleash what they've got within themselves, to be more confident, to come up with ideas, to innovate, to have autonomy, then I'm going to unleash all of the power that's within these eight people Rather than me being the bottleneck and ended up in overwhelm,
0: I was just going to say i mean that that kind of terminology of you you're using there of bottleneck it it kind of makes me think about those sort of command and control structures in organizations where there's a lot of red tape or papers or committees or you know a lot of lot of you know extensive consultation in order to have things approved, but you know actually some organizations are now moving much more to that sort of more agile way of working I mean there's I mean again I I don't know whether Microsoft have done this but I know that organizations like Deloitte have definitely done away with the whole kind of rigid performance review process and move much more towards sort of an ongoing coaching approach which I think is a reflection of of wanting to achieve that kind of agility that kind of you know learning environment that that ability to, to innovate and to think differently.
1: I think I think the organizations are getting rid of performance reviews or the, the, those sort of really formal type performance reviews or the, you know the monthly one-to-one mm-hmm. is the the monthly one-to-one that becomes uh, it's like an excuse um, well I do my monthly one-to-one conversation and that excuses me from acting like a coaching manager mm-hmm. I can be command and control all the rest of the time but for one hour a month, I'll be this really facilitative, it's about you and it's about your career meeting. Mm. And so I don't have to take on the responsibility full time of being that person. But if I get rid of that one monthly meeting, Say, no, no, it's part of your job role all of the time to do this. That's a. I think that's quite a fundamental thing on the way to getting a coaching culture.
0: Mm, it's a huge shift, isn't it? And as you say, it's about the day-to-day behaviours, the things that I do on a daily basis as a leader. I mean, one of the things that popped into my mind when you were sharing that example of throwing the tennis ball, and I was thinking... In this virtual world we're all currently operating in, that kind of an exercise, obviously not so easy to do. But actually thinking about as a leader right now, if I'm, you know, managing a team of people who are all working remotely, probably burnt out, potentially having to work at homeschooling, goodness knows what else is going on. But how do I make sure that I'm listening first rather than giving my thoughts or my opinions? And actually just adopting that Nancy Klein rounds approach where literally you would say in the meeting I want everyone to have equal air time so we're going to go round the virtual table and give everyone three minutes or whatever the time frame would be to contribute their opinion or to say what they're feeling on this matter.
1: Yeah so everybody is heard, everybody has a space to be heard so yeah I think in this virtual world it's incumbent on the leader to create some structures that allow that to happen, so it's not just about the task. But then it it can be quite overwhelming for the leader because if you're not in an office and you can't just have three minutes with someone at the coffee machine, people are just booking meetings all the time. So the five-minute touch base with someone is so much harder Mm. and it's exhausting to try and do that. So it's giving trying to give yourself the space to do that. If you get the coaching sort of culture right, those people can be so much more independent. So you're spending less time on task and you can spend more time on this sort of facilitative really being there for the other person.
0: Mm. And I'm thinking also about different generations in the workplace and with more and more you know, millennials and younger people coming into the organisation and actually what motivates them, what they're looking for. Um, I mean, I'm not an absolute guru on this, but what I do know about it is that generally speaking, millennials are looking for meaningful work. They're looking for a lot of feedback and they're looking for that that freedom to be able to to learn and to to try things out and to do things a bit differently and to innovate. And if we think about the makeup of our workforce and how it's changing over time, this is absolutely something that businesses need to be thinking about, I'd argue.
1: Yeah, I'm just taking the difference between saying, I need you to do this, or just saying, this needs to happen, what will it mean to you when we get a good result on this? Mm. You know, just keying into that person's motivation because they might be motivated in a completely different way from you. Mm. So I think with millennials, those younger generations, the coaching style actually works much, much better because I am the definition of pale male and stale. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and a 50-year-old white male, what do I understand about a 23-year-old Asian? Mm. What do I know about the, the motivation there? But if I ask the question, I can engage that motivation. Well, it may be the same as mine, but probably quite unlikely to be.
0: And you don't want to assume, and I think this is where there's quite a really interesting connection between creating a coaching culture and an organization's diversity and inclusion strategy. So when you're trying to create inclusive leadership in an organisation, these are the sorts of things that you'd be thinking about as a leader. You'd be thinking about, well, I don't want to assume anything. I want to adopt curiosity and I want to ask questions and I want to understand the people who are working for me. I want to understand what motivates them, what drives them, what they need, what their thoughts, what their feelings are. So that I can do everything within my power to mean that they feel that they belong, that they feel included, and that I get the best out of it. Because ultimately, if you feel that you belong, you're going to perform to a high level, which, let's face it, all businesses need right now. Well, we need anyway, but particularly coming out of a crisis. So there's a real connection there.
1: Yeah. I, one of the things you said there is well, what people need right now. And people might be listening to this, and well, clearly, we're very enthusiastic about this. People might be thinking, all right, well, a coaching leadership style is the leadership style we need to adopt. And if we're going to have a coaching culture, but that doesn't mean to say it's the only valid leadership style. Absolutely. People right now, they need clarity, they need structure. Mm. And That means we need to be giving that to people. So that's not a coaching leadership style. That in sort of Goldman six leadership styles, that would be the authoritative or visionary leadership style, Mm. which is really important right now. Mm. And one of the bits of resistance I've noticed with people who have come on when I I used to do (laughs) coaching skills for managers workshops before you know before I learned all sorts of other stuff was that there was a resistance because you're telling me I need to throw out. Everything else and adopt this style instead. And they were coming, they were coming to the workshop thinking this is a binary choice. I, I need to give up my current leadership style and adopt this one instead. Mm. And it was like, no, no, absolutely not. This is one style. I just, happen to think in today's world alongside a visionary authoritative style. It's the next most important
0: one. And I think that's a really important point. We all need to adapt our behaviour according to the situation that we find ourselves in and any one style is not going to be the right approach for every single situation. I mean, I think we talked about this, you know, when we were preparing for this podcast, but you wouldn't coach someone out of a burning building. (laughs) You'd say, (laughs) "Get out now? You know, so as a leader, you need to think about what is the best approach that I need to employ with this individual in this situation? And that's something that will come with time and experience. But yes, absolutely. It's not not the only way to be 100% of the time. The other thing that, just to build on that note, is... We might have someone listening to the podcast thinking, well, okay, I might want to adopt a coaching leadership style approach for my team. But what if my boss doesn't behave in that way or the executive team don't support it? But actually what you and I would, would say in response to that is, well, you can do it within your own domain, your own team. It doesn't have to be a systemic wide approach, although obviously it's great if it is.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it, if you if if you can do the overall thing, that's fantastic. But I like the distinction that um, Robert Stringer makes in his, his book. I think his book's "Climate and Organizations," and and he makes a distinction: culture being a corporate wise thing, but climate being the culture you establish underneath a single leader. Mm-hmm. So it can be different in different parts of an organization as well. I suppose uh, the thought that came to mind was a trading environment, which is really dog-eat-dog. You know, the the organizational arrangements are so about all I need to be everybody else that it might be really hard to adopt a coaching style Mm. in that sort of culture. But whereas in sales, especially if you're in a team environment, sales is, your role as a sales manager really is to coach people to be better at what they do. So I think it does depend where you are, but I think absolutely within certain constraints, you can adopt a coaching style of management within your own domain. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. Okay. For those people listening to this podcast, they might be thinking, okay, so I'm quite interested in this idea. How do I get started? What are some of the things I should be thinking about? So what would we say in response to that?
1: What I would say is, you know, the ideal thing is you have to start from the the, the ideal thing, if you want a, an overall coaching culture, is you, you need to get some sponsors at the top. Mm. Um, if you've got a real believer at the top of the organization, it really, really helps. Mm. There are people who have done completely organization-wide transformations. I think if you're just looking at your own team, you have to think about yourself and your managers. I would say that... The coaching skills for managers thing is a good thing because there is some skills transfer. Yeah. I would say that the most effective thing is don't waste your money on that unless you're also going to have an ongoing process of, for example, coaching circles. Yeah. Whereas you're getting leaders to coach one another around their challenges, because if you're doing that on a constant basis, so I'm talking about at least over six months, if you do that over six months, that gives it long enough to bed in that this is me asking questions for the betterment of the other person, not for my problem-solving capability.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a really important point because, I mean, I remember way back when I first trained as a coach, to begin with, you know, you do feel like you need to have the right question. You know, what, you know, what do I ask next? And actually, it can feel, I don't know, stressful is probably the wrong word, but overwhelming sometimes of, you know, the need to ask the right question and to have the right... The right response the right tool or the right question in your back pocket to ask and actually if you're not given the opportunity to practice that it is like a muscle and if you don't exercise it you'll forget and you'll you'll kind of lose the skill and you'll lose the importance of listening so creating that experience where i can really put this into practice i can really embed it i can see other people doing it i can hear what other people are doing then that all builds up my own level of confidence with being able to adopt this kind of approach with my, with my people. The other thing I would add to that is, again, this is kind of budget depending, but actually exposing certain leaders or managers to coaching themselves so that they become advocates, I think, is probably quite important.
1: Yeah, that's probably the one at the top of the list. That's probably the most important Because if you don't get that, you won't get the transformation. Yeah. But then I would prioritize doing coaching circles over coaching skills.
0: Yeah, I would too.
1: Because you'll get the attitude over and people will bring forward their own skills. And and just by the coach modeling some of the stuff, you get that skills transfer. And then I did actually have one example where we couldn't do the coaching skills for managers up front. And so we did the coaching circles first and that was better because by the time we got to the coaching skills course people were hungry they wanted to know more how can I be better at doing this yeah which was fantastic
0: yeah absolutely and I mean I think this is a real practical one but actually you know what gets measured gets done so if there's a way in which you can tie into your job performance of managers the need to be a coach and to adopt a coaching approach um then that will also help ensure that it becomes more of a, a kind of a regular habit as opposed to as you mentioned earlier in the podcast that thing you do once a month and you sit down and have your one to one
1: yeah i'm i'm am actually not sure how you do that cleanly you know um I, but i i do think that you can measure the outputs in terms of if you're focusing on engagement you know, some of the things you might get in your engagement surveys will indicate whether or not that manager. So you know, normally in, a, in an engagement survey, you'll have a few key questions.
0: Yeah, I think you could do it through engagement survey. I think you could do it through 360 feedback. You know, I think there's ways in which you can check in and say, look, you know, what's your experience of your manager? Which organisations would probably be doing anyway. So it's as you say, it's just a, a question of adding in a couple of those measures to those evaluations. And then I, I guess the final thing, and this is a bit of a plug, but you know, to the point of thinking about what question do i need to ask next then of course we have our set of coaching cards that managers can use which is one of the reasons we designed
1: them yeah and i think definitely the coaching cards are designed that they could you be used as part of a coaching culture program
0: yeah
1: yeah that, that that's a definite plug will be dead honest that's, that's <laughs> part of the reason we did them yeah absolutely And so I'm just thinking about wrapping up. So what would our top tips be then for anybody listening to this?
0: Well, I think the thing that really resonates with me as I kind of reflected on our conversation is this point about it doesn't have to be about the whole organisation. It can just be, you know, that that reference you made to um, Robert Stringer about culture and climate. So if I'm a leader, I'm only going to be as good as my team so actually, I can adopt a coaching approach. I can create a coaching climate and make a difference that way.
1: Yeah, I, I've got a client at the moment and his his organisation is not a coaching organisation, mm-hmm. but he's definitely doing it within his piece of business. Because mm. okay? he's completely, and it goes back to your point, he's he's convinced of the value of it because of he experienced coaching Absolutely. so therefore within his part of the organization he's definitely trying to establish a coaching culture mm. and i would go back to my tip which is don't let send anybody sell you a coaching skills for managers course unless it's been supported by some sort of ongoing group coaching activity and in fact, I would say, like, okay, we'll, we won't bother with the coaching skills for course now. Let's just have the ongoing group coaching activity manage that for us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be great. Um, and then, that, I think the final thing that I would add is, you know, it's very easy for these things to be led by HR, and there's no reason why it shouldn't be. But actually, finding sponsorship at a senior level from another part of the business, I think, is going to be invaluable. And if that person has experience coaching themselves and is an advocate then that's going to make the whole piece of work a lot easier.
1: I think there's probably a combination there of what you said there is often HR led but if it's could be HR going to one of those people who have experienced the benefits of coaching, say Mm. okay now that you've experienced the benefits of coaching how can we expand that within your part of the organisation, I think that would be a really good idea.
0: Yeah, hugely
1: powerful Thank you for taking the time to listen to this show, we know from some feedback on iTunes that people are enjoying the show and so please do give us a rating on there, it really helps but give us the feedback we'd love to hear about how we could do better or if any topics that you would be interested in, please email us on info at coachingquestion.com. If you want to check up on any details about what we've talked about today, check out the show notes and any other questions, just email us on info at the